The following episode of Epic Fail is brought to you by Spoke, a new free listening app from Sirius XM. The following is an at-will presentation. You, you want to hear my story about my epic fuck-up? I really do. All right, here it goes. When I first started on Broadway... I shot. <laughs> and that time, I did get a black eye. And he starts shaking, but one by one, the cast has to turn towards me. me and my character yells straight in a circle. And I got the part. Hi everyone, Jenna Ashkowitz here, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Epic Fail, the podcast where we hear stories from performers about the time they failed on stage, on screen, and on set. I'm calling this week's theme Major Fuck-Ups, which really is the most accurate way to describe the stories we're about to hear. Joining me this week, from the podcast Welcome to Night Vale, Kevin R. Free, star of the HBO series The Sopranos, Jamie Lynn Sigler. Tony Award winner and starring in the upcoming revival of Carousel, Jesse Mueller. Star of Broadway's Wicked, Jackie Burns. Star of the upcoming Broadway musical SpongeBob SquarePants, Lily Cooper. From the Blue Man Group, Greg Valla. Star of the ABC comedy Ugly Betty and currently starring in the play Torch Song, Michael Yuri. First up this week, Kevin R. Free tells us about the time he failed in front of a music legend. I moved to New York in 1995 to be a musical theater Broadway comedy star. I was going to be that black man. So I did this off-Broadway show called From My Hometown, written by Lee Summers. And Rodney Hicks, who is now in Come From Away, was in it with me. And Andre Garner, who's been on Broadway a million times. And they both were like these people who had these Broadway careers. And I was a guy who was a teaching artist and an audiobook narrator. And um, I was working, but I was also waiting tables at the time. So I did the show. And I got to sing in the show. It's a jukebox musical. I got to sing Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, among other things. Yeah. But Sitting on the Dock of the Bay was like the song, right? That's the one. So I sang the song. I sang. I did it off-Broadway in 2003. And then they, the show closed. And then they reopened it in 2004 and did it again. Mm-hmm. I sang this, show, this song eight shows a week. There were lots of people who were coming to see the show who were like, oh, who's this guy? He's great. You know, whatever. In my mind, they were doing that. Sure. Anyway, so. <laughs> Always. Yeah, Always. So. Sting has this organization called the Rainforest Foundation, great foundation, and they have this big concert every year. And uh, we, the three of us, were asked to sing in this concert. Lisa Fisher was singing backup. Amazing. Lisa, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, uh, Lettucey was in this concert, Cheyenne Jackson, wow. Sharon Wilkins, were all of these Broadway people in this concert. And so I got to sing. I got to sing Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. They yeah. sang backup for me with this amazing band. Like, it was it was incredible. So we did the rehearsal. It was wonderful. We're in the concert. And uh, the crowd is screaming. It's it's inc- it's my dreams are coming true. Like Broadway <laughs> theater. It's the most incredible thing. We start singing. I start singing Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. And right before I get to the bridge where, you know, looks like nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. I'm not singing because, you know, okay. epic fail. So, um, <laughs> so so we get to the bridge, which is my favorite part because I get to sing my high A. You can sing the songs in A and I get to sing this whole thing. And I start talking to the audience because, you know, I'm so charming and so <laughs> incredible. I start talking to the audience. Hey, who here can whistle? Anybody ready? You ready to whistle? Huh? You ready to whistle? Huh? You ready? You ready? Yeah. Yeah. You ready? I'm like pointing at people while I'm supposed to be singing that bridge. And when we got to me coming to start singing the bridge, I realized we had gotten to the place where they were supposed to whistle. So I had not sung the part, the iconic part of the song before the <laughs> whistling. I had not sung that part of the song. 
<laughs> I started to I had flop sweat. It was terrible. Sting was there with Trudy, the wife. <laughs> they were there. It was a thing. After the concert was over, at, when it was over and I walked off stage and my the two guys, Rodney Hicks and Andre Garner, looked at me and they were like, man, that was, oh. And Andre was like, I'm sorry, man. I know that's your favorite part of the song, too. I know. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what could they say? I screwed the song up in front of all these people. Sting kissed me on the cheek afterwards. Like, oh, poor baby. Thank you so much for doing the concert. He gave me a hug, gave me a kiss on the cheek. It was hot. But it was also like, poor guy. Poor Kevin. Oh, no. It haunts me to this day. Next, Jamie Lynn Sigler shares an embarrassing moment from her early days as an actress. I did a national tour when I was 13 of a musical version of It's a Wonderful Life. And we were so bored. It was a bus and truck tour. So tough. So tough. Month four. And I was traveling around with my Spanish grandma because my mom had to stay home with my two brothers. And like I was the only fucking kid. It was horrible. So I would just hang out with adults all the time. And so we started playing like this game called Pass It. And we would have one item, and it had to be passed amongst the cast. Everyone had to touch it at least once. And I couldn't leave the stage. And, like, one of them was a condom. No! Like, that's what we had to pass around the stage in this, like, wholesome old, like, it's a wonderful life show. And I'm the idiot that drops it. You dropped dropped it? it. Yeah, I dropped it. On the stage. The little young Mary, me, like, and the one that played his daughter, like, at the end, like, and the audience is like, the, "What is that rubber thing condom. on the floor?" Oh, for sure, <laughs> that the little girl was holding. Using props in a performance can be tricky, and Jesse Mueller shares a perfect example of just how tricky it can get. There was always a slight fear in my mind that if I touched anyone else's prop, I would ruin, ruin the, the entire show. Like, if I move this fork, I don't know what could happen. <laughs> it's. It is quite true, and it, it sounds so minuscule, but like a fork could really right. It sounds very dramatic, shift. but it really could shift the, the tectonic plates of the show. <laughs> Everything could go you downhill. Never, did you ever really have like a big one like that? Well, the day that I <laughs> there was a moment where there's a baking table that was on automation tracking at that point, so it. it moves by itself but there was a glass bowl on the table with at that point flour like a like a big glass pyrex bowl full of flour and and then um the actor playing the character of the doctor is supposed to sort of look like he's pushing the table but it's the automation something was funky or the or the automation it was either where i put the bowl that day or the automation was a little like there was a jolt to it well that bowl went flying off the table smashed no into a bunch of pieces and we were we had to track off I don't know it was very strange and I was trying to figure out what was happening as we were leaving the stage and that's right as everyone is coming on for this big wedding scene oh no so there's broken glass all over the stage <laughs> and I'm supposed to run to a quick change and all I'm trying to do is find someone being like glass there's glass I think I just said glass a lot glass 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 on stage broken problem rag need rag it was like all broken English and everyone's looking at me like what what and I was like we have to stop we have to stop I was very concerned about people's feet I mean it's not like anyone was barefoot so we did finally I think we stopped for just a second really and- and I think everyone in the wedding, like Chris Fitzgerald, and he just kind of, in his wonderful way, he's like sort of half-standing character and like moved out of the way to let the person, like Chris Pantusa come in and like wipe it up with a rag. You paused the show. But I felt, I don't know, I felt like I had like a, I had done something. Like, how did that happen? That had never happened. Knock on wood, that had never happened before. 
Jackie Burns joins us to share her epic fuck-up from a performance of Broadway's Wicked. When I first started on Broadway in Wicked, I had been doing it for a year on tour, um, but it's like slightly different on Broadway. Everything's like a little bit different. And at the end of Act One, you have this huge song called Defying Gravity that everybody knows and all the fans know and, and pretty much... And my character, the Wicked Witch of the West, she flies on this broom and everybody who's seen The Wizard of Oz knows that, you know, knows that iconic image of the Wicked Witch cackling and with her flying monkeys on her broom flying. Um, So I go to sing the big iconic number where you fly. And it's a little technically difficult because you run to the back of the stage that is completely pitch black and you get into this device called like a cherry picker. And it's kind of complicated. You have to take your cape and throw it on the back of this huge cape that's attached to the cherry picker. And you also have a book bag with your grimmery, which is like your magic spell book on your left side. And then you also have your broom in your right hand. So you do like this twirl and you get in this, you know, cherry picker and try to fix your cape so it it masks that you're in a cherry picker and you push your back to the end of the cherry picker and it clamps you shut clamps these like giant metal arms so that you can't fall forward and die you know when you get raised in the air so my cape gets stuck right before I push this clamp to like close me in so I can fly so I put my broom down thinking this is a genius idea I'll just free my arm up so I can fix the cape real quick here and there good now I'm snapped in I'm ready to go oh let me get my broom oh no I'm snapped in And I can't bend over from the waist down because I'm snapped in. And once I'm snapped in, the computer says, okay, you're good to go to fly. So all of a sudden I go to fly, but I don't have my broom. And the device is moving me forward and up in the air while I'm supposed to be singing. And I'm like reaching down with every inch of my body trying to get this broom. And I can't because I can't bend over from the waist down. So I go up and I'm singing, you know, how I'm flying high, defying gravity without a broom. And the whole reason why I can fly is because I cast this magic spell on this broom that makes me fly. Not me. I'm not supposed to be able to fly. She can't fly. Her broom flies. And she jumps on her broom and that makes her fly, right? So I'm sitting there singing the song the whole time, freaking out, like, I'm going to get fired. I just started here on Broadway and I have now ruined Broadway Broke, because broke Broadway. I broke Broadway because I'm sitting here and it's a lie singing how I'm defying gravity when I don't have my magic broom because it's down on the ground because <laughs> I'm an idiot. And so <laughs> I, you know, finish the song and I'm getting lowered back down to the ground. And my Glinda always waited for me um, so that we could walk back to the dressing rooms together before intermission. And she saw my face like the sheer terror that I was like oh my god I'm gonna get I'm gonna get fired I'm not even gonna be able to finish act two they're gonna fire me before you know like in my mind I just made it the most catastrophe like most ridiculous thing and she was like what's wrong with you and I was like you didn't like cry you didn't see that I didn't have my broom and she was like no and I was like really she's like no nobody no and I was like Okay. And then I'm like, all right, well, she didn't notice it because she clearly was like thinking about what she's going to, you know, get for groceries, you know, later that night. So I was like, but I'm sure stage management saw it. And they're probably waiting in my dressing room to fire me. (laughs) And I get back to my dressing room and nobody's there besides my dresser. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I didn't have my broom. They're going to fire me. And she's like, well, I don't know. So then I'm like waiting for the phone to ring also because you'll get notes like during, you know, intermission sometimes because you have like a phone in the alphabet dressing room where like stage management or music director can call you, right? So I'm just like waiting for the phone to ring to be like, you know, we saw that and we're going to have to talk after the show. Nothing. And I was like, what? Seriously? 
So then I'm like, all right, at the stage, so I'm like leaving the theater being like, okay, I made it. All right. And I'm like, but surely the fans notice. Because the fans notice when like, you know, you, you sing something differently, you know, that you don't even know you sang differently. Like, do you tired? You sang that differently. You're like, did I? Jesus. You know, they notice everything. So, so I'm like, oh, they're all going to be like, remember when you messed up and didn't have your broom? Like, what happened? And no one noticed. And I was like, what the fuck? I thought I literally ruined Broadway. I was getting fired. I was just going to go be a pet groomer, <laughs> which is my backup plan. So if everybody is that always your backup so plan? That's my backup plan. I mean, at the end of the day, did anybody ever say anything to you about the broom, like stage management or your director or anybody? Never. Never. No one ever noticed. It still irks me to this day. That nobody noticed. Because I think I gave myself an ulcer in that one minute <laughs> that I was up there. I've never been. I'm like, little did I know. Then nobody cared. Nobody gave a fuck. I thought it was the biggest fuck up in uh, Broadway of all time. And how often do you think about the broom? I think about the broom <laughs> a lot. I think about I think about it almost every day. <laughs> I wanted to take a few moments to tell you about Spoke, a new listening app from Sirius XM and a partner of Epic Fail. Spoke is more than just a podcast app. It's a social audio platform. You can listen to podcasts, radio programs, documentaries, and more. Have you ever had a difficult time finding a podcast? Well, Spoke has a team of curators, real live humans, not robots, who help you discover your new favorite podcast or show by finding the best moments and highlights and organizing them into thematic playlists. For me, there are so many podcasts that I want to listen to, but it's so overwhelming to start listening to each of them because I have no idea what I'm going to like or what's good. So this is like a friend sharing their playlist with you, allowing you to listen to the best clips from each song. If you like what you hear, you can join the conversation and leave a voice comment. You can also share anything you find on the app with friends or on social media. That's right. Hit me on the gram. You can download Spoke from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Go to hearspoke.com slash atwill to support Epic Fail or your favorite shows on the Atwill Network. Up next, Lily Cooper explains how one mess up can start a chain reaction of epic fails. I recently did a play where I was on stage in a scene by myself and then a second character gets introduced by coming to the front door of the house. So the set is basically just my house. Okay. Um, so a character comes to the front door and I talk to this character for a few moments and what is supposed to happen is we're supposed to get interrupted by a third character who enters from inside the house. So then it's three people on stage talking, right? So I was there and then the first guy enters and we start talking and have a conversation and there gets to be the point where the third character is supposed to enter and she is not there and there's really no way to progress this scene like without this third person right so we just sort of had to wing it in improv and just hope and pray that she showed up eventually um, if you're listening to this you know who you are and I love you so much I just think that this is a hilarious story and so it took like of course, on stage, we felt like it was, like, 15 minutes of us just, like, really? improving, But it was probably, like, 30 seconds, maybe. Okay. okay. Um, it's still a long but time. But still a really long time. And so the best part was I, like, invite this character inside. And I'm like, uh, so do you want a glass of water? And he realized that 
I literally couldn't give him a glass of water because there was no glasses on stage <laughs> or there was like no running water. So he had to say no. And that's like the the first rule of improv is saying yes, right? You don't say no. Exactly. You never say no. You have to agree. But he was being smart because if he'd said yes, I would have been, been like, uh, actually, we don't have cups, <laughs> but do you want to sit down? See, I would have so. taken that and been like, I got to go get a, a glass yeah, and left and the left stage. Him on stage. <laughs> and the funny part was he was like... He was so smart because he was the one who was like, so where's your sister? Is she here? And I was like, oh, yeah, hold on one second. And I go to the stairs and I'm like, Joey! <laughs> and I like call her name, hoping that the actress will hear it backstage from the monitors. And still, after that, it took like another 10, 15 seconds or something, I think, because she was all the way upstairs. And so I was like, Joey! <laughs> like screaming at the top of my lungs. And then I was like, I guess she maybe is sleeping still. <laughs> and eventually she shows up and it was hilarious because you could tell she was mortified mm -hmm. and she sort of tumbles onto the stage like <laughs> shoes in her hand like flails them across the stage and I was like sorry I was uh, I was uh, getting my shoes on or something it was hilarious so it added like at least a minute to the show but it was really really funny I think what's so cool about that is that you have like your actors on stage with you and you're like alright we're just gonna we're gonna get through this together. Right. Figure it out. Oh. Next, Greg Bella tells us the challenges of performing in the Blue Man Group on a cruise ship. I spent the majority of my 20s performing under a latex cap and covered in grease paint for the popular show Blue Man Group. And I performed them in various different cities here in New York, a little bit in Chicago, uh, most of the time up in Boston, Massachusetts. And then I did a brief stint on a cruise ship in the Mediterranean for about four months. You did? Yeah, I did. So if you've ever performed on a ship or if you ever lived on a ship, it's, uh, it's quite unique. One of the first th things that we do in the show is a, is a piece called Gumballs and Marshmallows where we're literally throwing uh, gumballs and marshmallows across the stage to one another. Um, over great distances. So this is actually a real, it's kind of like a circus trick. So you're throwing balls of paint, which are actually, <laughs> spoiler alert, they're uh, condoms filled with, with paint. So you're throwing these things which will look like gumballs and you catch them in your mouth and then you pop it on a, and you spray it on canvas. But this doesn't always go to plan. So one of my favorite times was I was out on the cruise ship. This was in the Mediterranean. And it was a particularly rocky day on the ship. Um, if you've ever performed on a stage, you understand that the stage more or less stays in one place. <laughs> um, you expect it to stay uh, pretty still. But when you're on a cruise ship, that's not always the case. And most of the time, you don't really notice it. But this was a particularly choppy day. So I first noticed that we, you know, we, we start the show and we're looking at the audience. And the first piece that we do is this piece called paint drumming. And it's where the, the blue men are standing behind these big drums and they pour paint on the drums and... And the, the, the paint piles up on the drums and they're playing it and they're splashing and it's visual and it's this visual expression of sonic and it's, it's kind of beautiful. Um, but I'm looking at the drums and I'm noticing that the paint is kind of sloshing from one side and then kind of <laughs> sloshing back to the other side and it's kind of rocking back and forth. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is a particularly rocky day. And we can feel it. I, our shoulder, we're shoulder to shoulder with each other. We're kind of going back and forth. So I know this is going to be an interesting show. So we, we get through that piece, and then the, we get to the Gumballs and Marshmallows piece. And I'm playing uh, left, left blue man. There's three blue man positions, center blue man, right blue man, and left blue man. So I'm playing left that day, and which means I'm throwing. So I'm on the ship, and I feel this boat is, is rocking, and it's going back and forth. And you have to kind of time your throws so that when, it, when you release, that it, the guy on the other side is going to be able to catch it. 
But the ship was rocking so much that I would release, like at the top of a wave, and then the ball would go <laughs> sailing over this guy's head. <laughs> and, you know, he looks at me, and I look at him, and we're like, oh, okay, that was different. So we have a backup ball, so I go to the backup. I'm like, okay, we're going to try it again. The band wraps up. <laughs> and I throw the next one like, way over this guy's head. And we're looking at each other, and we're like, okay, so this is interesting. And you feel the audience is like, <laughs> what? Like they're, they're there, and they're like, they, you see that they're, they're still engaged because it's exciting. They're really doing this. So, okay, we have one more backup. <laughs> I reach in. I grab it, and the band, I couldn't have been farther from this guy's head. So we're looking at each other now, and that's three, three giant misses, three giant screw-ups right in a row. And we're like, wow. Okay, so it got to the point where <laughs> we would just pick up a ball, and I walked over to him, and I just <laughs> placed it ever so gingerly in his mouth. <laughs> and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and it was like, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing today. <laughs> so you're literally putting condoms in each other's mouths. You've had to uh, yes, catch in condoms. Yes, in so many words. Yeah, if you've ever gone to a blue man prop uh, shopping extravaganza, you're buying uh, giant cases of unlubricated Trojan condoms that will later be filled with paint. And, and then placed be, and into... <laughs> thrown, an, ideally. A blue man's mouth, thrown. At high, at high velocity into their mouth. I know it's weirder the more you describe it. Yeah. Closing us out this week is Michael Urey's epic fail moment from a college performance of the musical Gypsy supposed to be all these different curtains and then she's like always in a new place so we had this amazing sequence with all these different curtains and we were all part of it we would like we all had many hats we were we wore many hats sure okay so my friend sean and i were farm boys and our first thing in the show was we moved some furniture together after the first scene or something like that i can't remember but we both happened to be backstage right together uh, for the overture, and as you probably know, Gypsy has a really good overture. Yeah, yeah. Bum, like, bum, bum, bum. It's like really exciting <laughs> and a real show. You know, it's a showstopper before the show even starts. Yeah. And uh, we had a pretty good band, and uh, it would start, and then the curtain would rise, and um, the band show would be pushed downstage. So the music would start and, and, and the, 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 the curtain would go up and it was this really thrilling thing as the music yeah. was playing to watch the curtain. From, and we would watch, we would watch this every from, night from behind. Okay. We know we accidentally caught it one night and we were like, oh my God, we're doing That's this great. every night. This is our thing. <laughs> this is what we do every night. We're going to stand back here and watch this curtain go up because it's thrilling and we're in the theater and we love it. We built this, man. We built this. So that was our thing. So Sean and I are also really good friends with this guy, Nico, who we're still really good friends with. And Nico played Pop, Rose's dad. And then he also played somebody else later. Okay. Um, He was a character-y guy. And he was a bigger guy. He's a big big guy. So somebody got hurt. Uh, One of the farm boys got hurt. And Nico had to become a farm boy. Oh, no. And we were doing this really hard Fosse dance. Yeah. And um, we were trying to learn it desperately. And we just couldn't get it because it was really, really hard. And then one day we were all getting really frustrated. And Nico was like, hey, guys, don't worry. No one will be watching you. They'll be watching the fat guy on the end. <laughs> so that gives you a little context about Nico. Okay. okay so, so one night we're doing the show. Sean and Nico and I are backstage chatting before the show. And the overture starts. And we're like, oh, the overture's starting. Sean, we're missing the curtain go. We, you know, we, Sean, we're missing it. The, 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 the overture's starting. 
Um, and then we say, Nico, usually, you know, when the overture plays, Sean and I are backstage, right, watching the curtain go up. But we don't usually see you. What do you, what do, you do? And Nico's like, oh, I raised the curtain. <gasps> I raised the curtain! No! <laughs> so the overture had begun. Nico's job was to raise the curtain as the overture began. But he wasn't there. He was backstage right with us. He needed to be downstage left raising the curtain. So he takes off running. I mean, you've never seen a fat man run like this guy. And as he runs down the hallway towards the, the entrance to stage left to go and raise the curtain, out comes Craig Yo Erickson, who was the technical director of the theater, who was very, ta- I think he's still there, uh, very talented technical director, also happened to be an actor in Western movies. To give you an idea of what this person looks like okay. and is like, okay. Often uh, uh, he was in the movie Young Guns, and he was wow. he was a reg- he was like a, a recurring character on Walker Texas Ranger. Shut it. He's not the kind of person you want to mess with, right? So he he happens to be <gasps> the person who cranks the wen- the wench that pushes the band shell down. So he comes out the door screaming. <laughs> I mean, essentially guns blazing. And he's like, Where and Nico is ha- hauling ass, and the band <laughs> plays on, bum no. bum 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 from behind the curtain. <laughs> so Sean and I are like, well, we got to see this. So we run back to our spots to watch the curtain go up, and suddenly it begins to move down. <laughs> he pulls the wrong rope. He pulls it's going it. the other way. It's going down <laughs> and billowing on the floor. <laughs> the curtain is billowing, billowing, billowing like to the, the point where like the baton that it's hanging from is like halfway down the proscenium <laughs> before someone's like, no. I mean, they must have been screaming at him. No, no. Turn the other way. And he's pulling and pulling and pulling. And finally, he's like, oh, shit. And then he pulls it the other way. And it finally goes up. And finally, the poor orchestra is in light. And they're pushing down and the show <laughs> continues. Oh my god. And you were the I think you guys were the cause. I of that. think it was technically it was if we'd been where we were supposed to be. He would have known. He would have been where he that. was he would have known. Or at least would have gone. He so. would have been like it seems like it's time to do oh something. That's it for episode seven. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow at at Will Radio and at Jenna Ushkowitz to stay updated with all the latest. I also want to hear your favorite fail from each one of my episodes. So go to my Twitter page to cast your vote now and the winners will be featured in the final episode we're calling the Epic Fail Awards. Chosen by you, the listeners. Next week on Epic Fail. Out of the check room. Got it. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. Don't you dare. (laughs) It's like your security (laughs) blanket. Yeah, totally. Thanks again to our partner, Spoke, Sirius XM's new app that allows you to listen to podcasts, radio programs, and documentaries curated for you. Go to hearspoke.com slash at will now.